Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail, and uh, Brendan couldn't be joining us today, but it's okay because in his place I have uh, someone whose appearance on this show will be clear uh, very shortly as I talk about uh, the game we're covering today. But um, he and I go way back. Uh, he's one of my best friends, and he is an expert on the topic we are about to discuss. Uh, his name is Trevor Longman. Trevor, what's up? <laughs> hey, Adam. Um, happy to be here. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, so you and I, as I said, we go way back. Uh, we've been friends for many, many years, um, going back to high school. And the game that we are talking about today uh, is a Dreamcast racing game by the name of Cart Flag to Flag. Uh, and the reason I want you on this show is because you are by far the biggest kart American open wheel racing fan that, that I know of. <laughs> uh, there's dozens of us, literally dozens of us. Yeah, um, one, of the, one of the few holdouts, I guess, since, uh, you know, we're going on 20 years now since it was at its peak. So I guess I'm one of the few that are remaining. Um, but yeah, this was a huge part of my life growing up. How, Watching kart in the early days, going to see the races, that's what kind of got me into motorsports in general, which led into racing video games and things like that. So, um, yeah, it, this is something very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, and as soon as Brendan and I started the series of uh, talking about Dreamcast racing games in particular, I always knew that one day we were, gonna get, we were going to get to Flag to Flag. And when we had the Flag to Flag show, that you had to be on it. Um, because, I mean, when I discovered this game existed when I was like collecting Dreamcast games um, as soon as I learned that there was a cart game uh, you know an officially licensed cart game on the Dreamcast I was like shit Trevor's gotta play this he's gonna love it and uh, I actually I remember I remember the day you came over and played it um, but before we go into that uh, before we go into that um, I'll just give some brief background on the game so as I said today we're talking about uh, flag to flag which actually uh, technically Cart is not a part of the game's name. It's just called Flag to Flag. If you look at the side of the box, it just says Flag to Flag. Um, in Japan, it was called Super Speed Racing, which is a very, you know, late 90s Japanese name for a racing game. Uh, developed by a company called Zoom Inc., which is notable in as much as they aren't at all when it comes to racing games. Uh, they made one racing game that was F1-themed, uh, in the early 90s for the Sharp X6800 computer, which is not something that ever existed uh, in America. Uh, yeah. But I know them best as a company that made uh, Mr. Mosquito, which is a really weird game on the PS2 where you play as a mosquito and you have to suck blood from basically every member of this family in this household. And another game called Phalanx, which I, I linked you to the cover art. Basically, Phalanx is this like SNES game that's like a, a space shoot 'em up. And it's a totally forgettable game outside of the fact that it has the weirdest cover art I have ever seen. Um, and, and you should, like, everybody who is, uh, who's listening to this should check it out if you don't know the Phalanx cover art. I mean, it's basically just like some redneck dude with a beard and a banjo uh, sitting in the middle like of the night as this might be my favorite thing explodes over his head <laughs> i truly don't know what the creative design process was for this but this is it's a gift to the world that everyone needs to look at 
Right. So basically, all of this is to suggest that, you know, this is not a studio. Zoom was not a studio that really ever made racing games or specialized in racing games. Um, but they made this one. And it came out in Japan on March 25th, 1999, which was two days after my sixth birthday. And uh, it came out in, US, in the U.S. on September 9th, 1999, which, of course, all of us Americans know as the Dreamcast launch date. So this was a launch title in the U.S. Um, and it's very notable because, uh, you know, we, we didn't get a lot of American open wheel racing games. Um, the idea of a kart game is there weren't many of them. And it also came at a very interesting time for the series. So... I know we have a lot of listeners who, who, you know, don't live in America or don't have a ton of background on IndyCar and all that stuff. Uh, and this would be a good time, Trevor, for I think you kind of, I think you could like lay the groundwork for like what is CART or what was CART and where was CART at this time? Sure. Yeah. I mean, to, to explain the history of American open wheel racing, particularly in the 90s, we would need far longer than what we have available to us today. But just in the basics, um, in the early 90s, there was it, IndyCar as it was, was on a huge upswing. You had Formula One superstars coming over to race in America rather than in Formula One. Um, guys like Nigel Mansell, Ayrton Senna tested, um, whether that was just for leverage and contract negotiations, that's up for debate. But, um, but it was a powerful thing and it was growing and it was all centered around the Indy 500. Um, the Indy 500 still remains to be the, the crown jewel of American racing, um, but at the time it was rivaling, I mean, you could still say it's our, rivals the Le Mans 24 Hours and Monaco Grand Prix for the biggest race in the world, but um, it held a lot of power, and that speedway was owned by the Holman-George family. And as the rest of the series grew bigger and bigger, um, they felt like their race was kind of losing its place as the one important race to win and they wanted you know to go back to the heritage of american racers racing only on ovals not going around around the world and turning left and right and doing all these crazy tracks and everything they just wanted indianapolis as it's always been um so in 95 they announced that they were going to be forming the indy racing league what we now know today as indycar and that was going to be just pretty much as I described, American guys, American tracks, only ovals, um, with the Indy 500 as being the crown jewel. There were a couple teams that jumped ship, but for the most part, it was just, you know, a lot of lower level teams, lower level talents, all the money, the teams, the top drivers, those were all still remaining in cart, the, the manufacturers. Um, so for the time in the late 90s up until maybe 2001 this was still where all the talent was at this was the, the biggest machines the you know a thousand horsepower um lots of money flowing into it and things were great things were great but if you looked beneath the surface you're seeing all these cracks start to form and it caused a lot of confusion among the fan base and, and sponsors as to you know we want to be with you guys but we we need to sponsor the indy 500 and um not having that on their schedule really started to tear apart it, everything at the seams 
Um, by the time 2001 rolled around, manufacturers started to pull out and jump ship to IndyCar and the IRL. Um, teams followed, sponsors followed, and CART ended up going bankrupt at the end of the 2002 season and turned into Champ Car, which then folded into IndyCar in 2007. So right here in what we have Flag to Flag in 99 is largely considered to be the peak of late 90s car like the, of this era after the split 99 is the mountaintop so they really did picture pick a great year to capture um the greatness of what it was and this game is actually it's based on the 98 season having come out in 99 um so it has all the drivers uh from all the teams well actually i i was looking up it doesn't have all the drivers right because there are some people that maybe you know participate in one race uh, or, sure. or here and there, but it's got 27 drivers from 18 teams. Uh, it has every track on the calendar. Um, it even has in the championship mode, uh, when you're looking through the tracks and the races, you can see the day that that race was run in 98, and you can actually set the game up so that the weather conditions mimic the actual conditions of the race in 1998, which is pretty impressive. I don't know of any other game that, that did that at that time. You know, it's kind of a, even going back since then, I haven't seen a game that mimics the actual real life conditions of um, of the race as it ran. Certainly, dynamics brothers and things, whether and things like that. But that's that was a pretty uh, interesting feature at the time, right? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of games where you, they'll give you randomized, you know, or or quote-unquote dynamic, although nothing was really mm -hmm. dynamic back in the late 90s when it came to weather or anything like that. But yeah, it was. it is a pretty cool feature. And I that's one small thing I really appreciate about this game, that like when you're browsing through the drivers and you're looking at the tracks, there is so much information. I mean, it, honestly, it's not, it's not a ton, but basically every driver has sort of a report card that's just like, when their first kart race was, when uh, how old they are, how many wins they have, you know, where their first victory, stuff like that, um, which I think is really cool. I think that's like, you know, racing is really, we, you know, we watch racing for the spectacle, but I think at the end of the day, like any other sports about the personalities and I think kind of building that history and building that context is really important. And at this time, you know, they didn't know that... Uh, Carts, uh, this this was basically the peak of the championship, but at this time you could definitely see they're they're trying to build this sort of um, context around the series, and it made a lot of sense. Uh, partnerships like this making this game and and kind of imbuing it with all this information and stuff. So it it's interesting because like well as we'll talk about the the game itself, like physically and gameplay wise, it's it doesn't feel like a very polished product, but at the same time. There are aspects of it that made me think they were trying their best to, to capture what cart was at this time, which is pretty, um, it's pretty good because, you know, we don't have many history pieces like this. As I said, there, there aren't, you know, many cart games that we can go back and turn to. No, certainly not. You know, that applies to all of American open wheel racing, you know, past this, about this time. Yeah, and, and we can just briefly touch on some of those other games. I mean, like, you did have kind of this weird, small little boom of, like, American open-wheel racing games in the late 90s. Uh, Newman Haas sponsored not one, uh, but two racing games, uh, one on, like, the SNES and one on the PS1, uh, which is weird because, you know, they weren't working with the uh, the cart license, or I guess what would have been at that time the IndyCar license. Um, 
it was really just the Newman Haas Racing team. And Newman Haas Racing on the PS1 in 98 actually was, uh, I'm not sure if it was entirely developed by them, but it had involvement from Pygnosis and Bizarre Creations, who made the Formula One games on the PS1, which were, of course, very well loved. Uh, And it even had commentary from Danny Sullivan and Bob Varsha, which is when I when I watched footage of that game and I heard Bob Varsha's voice at first I wasn't I didn't know it was him I was like wait a second hold on uh and I was like shit that's Bob Varsha that's awesome yeah it's, it's interesting to me that uh, you know them being the, the commentary team Danny Sullivan and and Bob Varsha they were the ones doing commentary for the kart series at the time um it's interesting to me that their services would not be uh, applied to the official kart game it would be applied to this game that was commissioned by one of the teams you know and and it had a couple of the main drivers but none of the official teams beyond newman haas racing um yeah i thought that was an interesting uh, dilemma there yeah what i think is funny is that uh danny sullivan recorded i think most of the commentary lines whereas it, it was clear that they only got bob varsha for like maybe 10 percent of the lines or you know he really only says three or four things whereas danny sullivan has way more lines <laughs> in the dialogue so yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, Bob Varsha was doing F1 at the time, so uh, it makes sense. But yeah, um, the only kind of gap in the game's uh, coverage of kart, uh, going back to uh, Flag to Flag, the only kind of uh, gap in, in Flag to Flag's coverage of kart at the time is that they couldn't get Michael Andre's license uh, likeness in the game because he had the game named after him. I mean, that's what we would assume. There's no... There's no uh, kind of hard evidence of this, but Andretti Racing uh, was a game on first on 16-bit systems and then on the PlayStation Saturn in the mid-90s and then again in like 97 or 98. That's the only reason why we would assume that he's not in this game, but he's just basically been replaced with a driver named Carl Haas, who is, of course, the team owner and not actually a driver. Yeah, I would have to assume that it's based on Andretti Racing and not the Newman Haas racing game because you know if it was based on the Newman Haas racing uh, game and them having a problem with their likeness in the game then we would we wouldn't have Newman Haas racing and it certainly wouldn't be Carl Haas as the the driver um you know Michael yeah, Andretti the other yeah. the other Newman Haas drivers are in flag to flag so mm-hmm. yeah yeah Fittipaldi at the time is the teammate he was he's in the game as well so it has to be an Andretti issue but that game was kind of interesting because it had it, it took a different angle at it it had the American open wheel stuff but it also had stock car racing and dirt track racing. And I guess it tried to mimic Mario Andretti's career path and all the various disciplines that he raced in. But that was kind of a different take on it. Yeah, Andretti racing, like I, I went back and played it on the PS1 a while ago. I, I don't think it's a particularly fun game. It was probably fine for the time. But it is notable because it's the only game I can imagine that like, it was basically like think of Toka Race Driver and all disciplines that had, but imagine if Toka Race Driver was totally focused on American racing, like, and the and the three pillars, you could say of American racing are, you know, American Open Wheel, NASCAR, and dirt track kind of, I don't know what you even call that because I have no um, grassroots vo- grassroots yeah vocab I have no vocabulary yeah. for that kind of racing, but you know what I'm trying to say, um, yeah. So uh, the 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 dusty the dusty oval the mud whatever, <laughs> um, yeah. So so Andre Racing is uh, is very interesting in that way. Um, but yeah, this would be kind of the end of. You uh, y- y- you would get a couple more American Open Wheel Racing games. I mean, Codemasters had an IndyCar uh, sponsor game in 05. Uh, 
Um, yeah. But well, there was yeah, also Cart Fury, point, which I think was the year the year after, or two thousand one, I think. Cart Fury was on. Uh, what, what, I forget which uh, platform that was on, but it also had arcade cabinets that you can still find all over the country in truck stops and pizza places and uh, movie theaters, etc. Yeah, Cart Fury was 01. I was watching I was watching footage of that game too and uh, actually there's some uh time extend uh uh people on our uh, Twitter and whatnot who reacted to that game. Uh very it, it seemed it seemed to get a lot of attention um because it is Cart Fury is basically prime uh midway arcade racing game circa late 90s like your cruising USAs, your Rush that kind of stuff with mm-hmm. a cart um, slant, and it has by far the most ridiculous crashes I have mm-hmm. ever seen. <laughs> like, there's a part of me that believes you're not going to get this reference because you still have refused to watch it, but I, I firmly believe that they took a look at that game and then built the movie Driven, a, a, a cinema a cinematic masterpiece. They, they built the movie Driven around that game and its ridiculous crashes and over-the-top gameplay and said that we must build our entire movie around this game. Which is funny because Driven had its own game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I, I was unfortunate enough to own on PS2 and it was just truly horrific. Like It had this like feature where once you went fast enough, the game went slow motion as you got like quote-unquote in the zone or something yep. and everything got... like blurry and the sense of speed like when you're going 200 plus miles an hour it slowed the game down to make it look like you're going 40 miles an hour which is an interesting game design decision in my opinion the early the early to mid 2000s was rife with all of these developers uh from every corner of the world basically saying like racing isn't interesting enough what we need to do is come up with some kind of gimmick uh, you know, it's not exciting enough. So you had you had the wind whooshing effect of Driven. You had oh, like yeah. Corvette Evolution GT, where like uh, if you trail the driver, our racing Evolution did this as well. Where if you trail the driver long enough, they would freak out because of the pressure. They would just like all of a sudden just like spin out <laughs> at like you know a hundred miles per hour down straightaway for no discernible reason. Um, you had like a bit later on, you had games like Need for Speed Shift, where it's like. You know, I didn't know that racing drivers, once they go past 80 miles per hour, all of a sudden they become literally, their peripheral vision is literally blind and the only thing they can see is the the road outside of them in front of their dashboard. Like, all these weird gimmicks, you know, um, that we thankfully kind of have moved past, but... Uh, yeah, we've evolved. On a personal note, there was a long time um, that I didn't know that Cart Fly to Flag existed. I didn't know that this game was out there. Um, so when I got my hands on a copy of Driven in like probably 04 or something, I had a PS2 at the time, um, this was the closest thing I had to a cart game and I cherished it. I knew it was bad at the time. I played it a lot. Um, so imagine my like shock and disbelief when years later you introduced me to Flag to Flag and I'm like, what have I been wasting my time with the whole time? And I, this was out there. And I almost bought a Dreamcast when you when you introduced me to this game. I'm like, I got to go find a Dreamcast on eBay or something so I can buy this and, and, and play this all the time. Um, I came dangerously close to doing that.
yeah, so we'll move it back to cart flag the flag now. And um, yeah, so I remember when I got this game, uh, or when I found out this game existed, and I'm like, dude, there's a cart game. And you're like, no way. Uh, <laughs> and you came over and played it, and I remember like, I don't remember any particulars, but I remember feeling like this weird sense of like, like pride for myself that like i was able to kind of like connect you with this aspect of your childhood that was not was not previously possible and i was like i kind of i kind of watch you play it and a tear didn't stream down my face but like you know it, it wasn't it wasn't that far away from happening um it was, i was crying tears not for both of us yeah it was uh it was cool because I know I, I knew how much pretty much as soon as I met you, I knew how much it's mattered to you. And this is this was probably 2010 or something when I got this on the Dreamcast and I had known you for a year or two at that point. Um, and it was also I mean, it was good for me because like I had absolutely no reference point for American Open Wheel Racing. So you would tell me things. You would tell me like how great Kart was. It almost like when I would just go on on about games like Daytona USA and Scud Race and Sega Racers that you didn't care about, and you tell me about Kart, and I'd be like, yeah, whatever. But then once I played this game, I was like, okay, I I I'm starting to understand what this was. You know, I'm starting to get it. Uh, because I mean, when we were young, um, I mean, you you were fortunate enough to uh, go. You know, your dad was a big racing fan, and you you were. It was kind of part of your your family and your upbringing to go to these things but like i had never been to a race until like 08 so yeah the only way i was ever going to learn about this was honestly by playing a video game yeah this was a great you know point of you know way to bridge that gap and like kind of translate what my interests were what your interests were and kind of meet in that middle ground so this just really formed a really nice bridge yeah and it's uh you know, I, I, I remember playing the game for the first time myself and going through the, the list of drivers and, you know, seeing all these names that you mentioned in the past. And the one that I want to touch on the most, um, which you'd be very proud of me because I did, I did a fair bit of research into this last night. Uh, I watched several videos and everything is, uh, is Greg Moore because this was, um, you know, Greg Moore would pass away uh, at Fontana about two months after this game came out. Uh, but but he is in uh, flag to flag and I mean not again not having any previous knowledge of um, of cart you know I didn't know who Greg Moore was until you told me about him but when I started playing this game he was a driver that I kept uh, I would do the championship in and I kept playing as so that that was pretty special yeah yeah I mean that was um, I guess he passed a little more than twenty years ago to the day. Um, but yeah, a tremendous talent, tremendous talent. My my uh, PlayStation username is still Red Gloves Rule ninety nine uh, as a reference to him and his. He had the signature red gloves. Um, yeah, yeah, he was a tremendous talent, taken way too soon. Uh, probably would have been on to huge things later, later on. Um, I mean, he was only in cart for four years, um, but he was going to be moving on to Team Penske, and as we know. You know, Team Penske is a powerhouse of American racing. He's going to move on there for the, for the 2000 season. And, you know, we can only imagine what he would have been on going on to to accomplish. Yeah, which is why, like, it's it's so... I don't know if it's appropriate or fortuitous or what that we got flag to flag at this time, but, you know, it really hits something we'll keep saying over and over again is it really hit at the apex of the series, you know, right before one mm -hmm. of their rising stars was taken away 
um, yeah. who who definitely had a lot of uh, you know was getting earning a lot of public interest and and could have brought the series to a, a higher place. Uh, so yeah, it, it, when when you go back and play this game, it is a lot of what could have been uh, between Greg Moore and between just the series in general and and what would happen over the next yeah. couple of years. But but I do. Yeah, I mean, right before we go into the kind of physics and how the game actually plays, uh, where we'll definitely be more critical of it, I, I, I do think it's cool that, um, you know, I was saying before, like when you're looking at the list of drivers and you see all the information about them, you look at the car models and uh, they actually went to the trouble of modeling the differences between like the Swift chassis and the Reynard chassis and and I think that's really cool uh, because they didn't have to do that. You know, you look at a lot of racing games on the PlayStation, for example. I had open wheel, uh, open wheel racing games, and like all of those chassis look exactly the same because it's like, well, we only have like seven polygons to use, so like, why make it more <laughs> difficult than it has to be? But but they actually like they model the differences between the cars. They um, modeled the differences between the oval and road course specs so depending on whether you're you know in driving a circuit or you're on an oval you'll see the huge wings if you're on the road course and on the oval you'll see like basically the little two by fours they have flapping off the ends of the nose uh that's really cool that's you know i, yeah. I really appreciate that it's just like a motorsport racing you know nerd yeah, you know, for me as an aficionado of this, to see them make the little subtle differences between, like you said, the Swiss chassis, the Lolas, the Reynards, um, all the different intricacies of the sport and them paying attention to this and really making an effort to get it right, like that goes a long way for me. And I think that, you know, it's really cool to see them try to um, to make this effort. Like even down to things like the pace cars, like they have a pace car before every race and they modeled everything from like they had a BMW, they had a Toyota Supra, they had um, a Honda NSX, and then they mashed that up to the pace car that was actually pacing the field at each of those races. Like that's that's an unnecessary detail, but they went as far as to do that, and um, it just kind of gives it sheds some light onto onto you know the the lengths that they went um, to get it right. Yeah, I mean, even like I noticed that Greg Moore and like his signature red gloves, they're modeled into the game. Like, and that could have been something that they just, you know, we have two blue cars in the field. We're going to make them both identical and change the helmets a little bit. But no, they, they actually went as far as to do that. And that's something that, you know, is a small detail that only a handful of people would pick up on. But they made the effort to do that. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. No, it, it, it's stuff like that that's really cool. And I noticed... Um... I went from driving his car to the one that was, um, what was it? It was a uh, Joe LaFerrin car, uh, the mm -hmm. uh, Valvoline one. And yeah. the interior and the steering wheel and everything was totally different from the other car I'd been driving. I was like, wow, they even went to the trouble of, you know, kind of changing yeah. the way the steering wheel looks in the cockpits. Um, when, when you drive from the helmet cam, there's a T-cam and the helmet cam. When you drive from the helmet cam, the bugs, I mean, you know, they don't, they're really just brown smears. It honestly looks like just like kind of poop's been flung at your face, but they're trying but, their best at them. Right, right. They'll, they'll hit the <laughs> visor and then the driver will, will take his hand and wipe his hand across his, across his visor and get rid of it. So, you know, stuff like that. There, there are definitely cool touches. You know, the, yeah. uh, the driver will shift, uh, will reach down with their right hand and shift. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, they even had they had certain things like you know different tire compounds in in the game, soft and hard. Although, as far as I can tell, there isn't actually any sort of tire wear in the game, so I, I don't really know what effect that actually has. But they have an option there to do a hard or soft tire compound. Yeah, and and this is where we will get into where some of the game's ambition falls flat because like there is a full damage model in this game, ostensibly, but I could not get it to work, which is pretty funny because like. I remember when I first started playing this game, I was shocked, or not shocked, but I was very confused why every time I had some sort of, like, horrible crash, the words full course caution would, like, flash on the screen, and then all of a sudden I'd be restarting the race from the back. Like, it was very confusing to me. Um, but the thing is, last night I tried to play, and uh, I tried to play with the damage set to real. Because you, you can turn the damage off, there's an arcade damage, which is a little bit more forgiving, but the damage still on. And then there's the real one, which is, you know, of course, the most punishing. And, uh, yeah, no matter what I did, no matter what I hit, nothing fell off my car. Uh, there was no damage. I, I was never never forced to retire from the race. And uh, as far as I can tell, that, that has to be a glitch because I don't know why when I turn damage on, it wouldn't actually do anything. <laughs> yeah, it, there, there's, like you said, ambition has a tendency to fall flat in this game yeah i mean they're fully animated pit crews so they definitely like went yeah to a certain degree that yeah the ambition the 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 drive was there it just didn't necessarily mm -hmm. pan out um something that you noticed that i never did uh because i don't know that much about cart but was uh, hilarious when I did. I don't think anyone has ever recognized this before. I mean, granted, there's probably like 200 people in the in the world who have played this game, but uh, you made a discovery in the arcade mode that I don't think has ever been brought to public attention. Yeah, it, it only applies to the arcade mode. Um, but the grid order, um, first off, you already, you always start at the back of the field, but the grid order is exclusively based off of the car numbers so alex Zanardi, number one uh he starts on the pole every race then we have alan Jr. and andre ribeiro number two and three and they're going to be second and third um whatever car you end up being they will swap out with greg moore number 99 the last place car they're going to put him in the spot where your car that you're driving would ordinarily have been so there is not they didn't even program like a randomized grid yeah. button like I'm not even asking them to faithfully recreate the grid that would exist so we don't have guys like, you know, the back markers are starting on pole and, you know, all that. They just, I mean, that's extremely lazy, right? Like, they just put in the the grid order based yeah. on the numbers and then just hit send it. That works. Like the stamp. <laughs> Go. <laughs> I, I, I really, yeah. I mean, to me, I feel like it's just, I feel like it was just an oversight. Like it's um it's so lazy that been. you even have a hard time justifying it as like a choice that someone actually made. Like it, yeah, I, I feel like it was just an oversight. They didn't realize it. They didn't test it. It's funny because there were a full like six months between this game releasing in Japan, uh, which was already three months after Dreamcast came out there, and uh, this game coming out in the U.S. So they definitely had time to optimize it and fix it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think it's interesting that on the intro screen in this game, in Japan, it says Super Speed Racing and there's a cart logo next to it. But in the American version, the intro splash screen just has the cart logo. It doesn't say flag to flag, which indicates to me that like 
they finished this game and I mean Sega of America didn't even know what they were going to call it like because it, it's you you won't necessarily uh not being uh you know a Sega someone who really has history with the Dreamcast or anything like that uh this sure. may have slipped by you, you for that but like it's very weird how this game is sponsored I keep saying sponsor how this game was uh, marketed as a Sega Sports title in the U.S. because Sega Sports uh, they did like the NBA 2K series, the NFL 2K series, and those games were the big. I mean, NFL 2K was probably like the system seller, the killer app in the U.S. when the Dreamcast came out. I mean, like that game was like no one ever seen the sports game look anything like that before. Uh, so I think to piggyback off that success, um, or because they anticipated how much of a big deal that game would be, uh, Sega of America was like, yeah, let's let's make Flag to Flag a part of the this cart game. Let's make it a part of the Sega Sports repertoire, which was a very smart move. Um, but I, I feel like the Japanese uh, development team they they finished the game. And then they were like, what do we call it? Like, what, what, what's it going to be in the U.S.? They were like, oh, we'll think of something later down the line. Just just put the cart logo in there and send it. Like, because they didn't, th yeah. the name of the game isn't even in the game in the U.S., which I, I just think is amazing. So, yeah, there's definitely a breakdown in communication or something at some point along the line. Sure. Yeah, I, I could 100% see that when I'm playing the game. Yeah, I mean... It, Again, it's so weird when you're looking at the box art. It says Sega Sports. It's a very like the, the Sega Sports box art you only got in the U.S. where it's like got that that certain kind of font and it's got like usually there's somebody from the sport on it. So in this case, you have oh god the, the the game case is far away from me. Um, I can't remember who's on the cover. You would probably be I think able. It's to Fernandez. Know. I think it's Adrian Fernandez. Yeah. So so you have him and you have somebody else. I think. And there's like a real shot of like an actual, you know, a photograph of uh, of a cart race or a car or something like that. Yeah. Um, but this game was developed by a Japanese team so far removed from that whole Sega Sports program that it's this weird disconnect where I didn't know what to expect when I started playing it. I expected to see like the same because Sega Sports, there were the visual concepts uh team was the one that developed like nba and the nfl games and they still make uh 2k owns them now but they still make the nba 2k series and there was always this consistent through line with the menus and everything and the way those games looked when you started playing them and this not being from that team it's completely different it's like you you have a certain expectation <laughs> when you start playing it and it's totally gone as soon as you boot it up so it, it is a really odd duck this one yeah yeah. Um, so, do you want to get into the physics of it all and the gameplay and and all that? Yeah, yeah. the <laughs> The physics are where this game falls apart. Uh, I think yep, it's safe this... to say. Mm -hmm. It's a shame because uh, sometimes they're okay. Like, and it, it it is really because the the way this game handles is it's just incredibly linear uh, to a point where like. And what I mean by that is like when you are moving slowly, you have all of the grip in the world. You have too much. And when you are yeah. going very fast, you have none. And and not yeah. just like, you know, oh, when you try and turn the wheel on and you're on oval and you're going 240 or something like that, like the back might step out or it gets a little squirrely. No, like you literally can't turn the car. Like it, 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 it 
your tires basically don't exist. They've been replaced by cinder blocks. Um, it is impossible to change direction when you are at top speed in this game, which makes the oval racing not fun. <laughs> yeah, take everything you know about downforce and flip that around backwards. Right. The faster you go, the less grip you have, and the slower you go, infinite amounts of grip. You can you can go through hairpins at 60 miles an hour, no problem. Yeah, it's, it's so it, weird. I mean, that's... Everything we know, like like you're saying, everything we know about the way these cars are supposed to handle, they're supposed to have more grip when they are moving mm -hmm. faster, and they don't. And and oversteer totally is not something that exists in this game. You, it is absolutely impossible to get your car to spin or or have the back step out at all. Yeah, so like the perfect example for me is if anybody knows the front straight at Long Beach. Um, it's not straight. It's this long sweeping corner that is flat out in any vehicle known to man um in this game it is a break and downshift twice kind of corner <laughs> because there's just no way that you can keep it flat out to go through this um that's probably the best way i can describe it to anybody who's never played this uh, it, it's just and, impossible and it's weird because like the ai doesn't they're not subject to the same physics as you. I mean, that in and of itself isn't no. weird in an old racing game, but they can carry speed through that corners and you can. But then usually when you come to a low speed corner, they take it at like 15 miles per hour and you can just fly by them. So it, it, yeah. it really poses a problem because you're working with different tools than the AI is. Um, but the funny thing is, and, and this is what's heartbreaking about it and why I say it, it works some of the time, is that, like, like I said, I was playing Detroit and... Detroit is just full of medium and low speed corners. There's really not a one particularly fast corner on the track. I mean, when you're on like the back straight or something and there's like kind of a kink, like that's difficult, but the rest of it's actually pretty fun to drive and, and there's no grass on that track. So you don't get hit with the ridiculous quicksand effect that you do when you hit grass in this game. So the worst I've ever tracks seen, yeah. like that. Yeah, it's really bad. You you actually, I, I looked at it, you always slow down to 31 miles per hour when you hit the grass. Exactly. Which is problematic on an oval. So like, let's <laughs> say you hit a gra hit grass, you're going 230 miles an hour, imagine. And then immediately the grass will slow you down to 31 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it's a shame because like on some tracks, this game is fun. If you're not going above a certain speed, um, I, I did enjoy... The drive at Detroit. It was nice. I was even able to like the curbs don't slow don't slow you down. I mean they they do, but not as much as the grass. So mm -hmm. uh, I was worried about like oh how will this react to curbs? And the car was actually fine. Uh, so there are flashes, uh, there are moments in this game where you're playing it where you see what could have been if if they just didn't make that the the high speed aspect of the handling model so weird and antithetical to what it should actually be. Yeah, I really have never experienced a game that, that handles at all like this. Um, when, I, when I played it the first time, I really wanted to like it. And I was really, I think you can attest to it, like I was pushing through it just for my love of the, con the subject matter that it was based around. Um, and that's not to say I haven't had a good time with it, but it, it was I was definitely trying to give it more of a path than it deserved in the physics department. Yeah. And, and it really, the story doesn't get much better from there because, like, the the AI uh, and just difficulty scaling of this game is similarly broken. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, the AI, as I said, they're, they're very slow. Uh, 
I, I think they're faster on the ovals because like they don't have the same limitation that you do as a player. But um, yeah, just it, it ends up being just like almost like uh, like kind of an early race in like a game like like GT six or GT Sport or something where it's just like catch up, like follow the leader. Except like you will never have a challenge even once you catch up to a leader. And you could probably. Uh, lap the entire track i mean it's it's not that hard even on like the medium difficulty uh because they are that slow and the other thing yeah. too is there is there is no ai to the ai like there is a path they follow they never deviate from it they never pass each other and the hilarious thing is if for whatever reason you impede their path so let's say that you're on the racing line and you just park your car they will all hit you and they will all hit the cars behind them leading to literally like this this train this like stopped mm -hmm. snake in the middle of the track where no one is trying to get out of the situation no one is trying to go around you they're all just stuck behind each other like like magnetically they're uh, just waiting in line yeah exactly and it's really it's hilarious but it's also really sad yeah um i will say that like none of the ai are any good um to get they're very easy to pass up until you get to second at which point the rabbit cars are absolutely out of hand there's like it's, it's always alex and because alex and number one and he's always starting at first but he's always flying i mean probably 20 seconds ahead of the rest of the field so that is actually yeah. kind of a yeah. challenge to get up to the front and to lead there although if this is based around the 98 season that's pretty much accurate that's actually <laughs> not very far off um because i think he won like most of the races that year yeah um yeah, but you know, at the same time, though, like 27 cars on track was a pretty impressive feat at the time. Like that's that's not something that you saw in every in every game, right? So, so this isn't a game that I would say like really pushes the Dreamcast very far. It's a launch title, um, and it doesn't look amazing. Uh, it's the graphics are very sparse. There is ridiculous draw uh, popping, um, but you know they did have to deal with 27 cars on track and for the most part it does run at a rather consistent 30 frames per second now there are some tracks like when i went to cleveland where <laughs> literally like every car is within view at the same time and the and the frame rate just plummets like down to like maybe 10 or something i don't know but like <laughs> Most of the time, it's probably more consistent than Sega Rally 2, which, you know, on the previous episode, Brendan and I were talking about that, and that game had a very notoriously wild and fluctuating frame rate that makes it hard to play. Uh, for, for the most part, this is consistent. Um, but, but Cleveland actually uh, brings us on to something, uh, a comment that I thought was, uh, was pretty funny that one of our readers uh, left us. So... Um, and, and the reason I want to bring this up is because um, you you love that track. Uh, so uh, yeah. Brett, uh, SmashVillain89 on, uh, on Twitter was saying that uh, he had played this game for, uh, for Dreamcast Marathon a while back and enjoyed it. Uh, surprisingly really fun. But he called Cleveland the worst track ever. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really glad that I finally have a platform for this. Um, <laughs> Cleveland is a masterpiece. And anybody who says otherwise, um, I... I, I really encourage you to give it a second look um for those who don't know cleveland is is temporary street circuit or i said i say street circuit it's actually on an airport so as such it is on runways that are extremely wide and 
encourage massive dive bombs and you can go seven wide into a corner and, and it'll work out just fine. But the great thing is that it encourages overtaking. Yeah, you can defend your line into the corner, but it's going to be a sacrifice on the exit. There's so much passing. If you watch any of the real races, it was a fantastic track. Um, I actually went there four years consecutively from 03 to 06. Um, now, granted, that was past the, the peak of, of car at that time. But it's one of the best races I've ever seen. It's such a great place to see a race. Um, that said, it sucks in this game. It's absolutely awful to drive in this game. Between the the long or the short draw distances, um, the low frame rate, um, the linear AI that will not do any of the things I just described. Where you know, yeah, you're pass, never getting seven. All that. You're never getting seven wide through any corner in this game ever. Yeah, this <laughs> this is an awful representation of all the things that I love about it. So. Um, I have a soft spot in my heart. Adam has forever, forever said that this is an awful track and I've never allowed him to see the light. I, I want, um, I want to bring it up just because like, yeah, I've been giving Trevor shit for this for years. Um, just because if you yeah. look, if, if you look at a track map of Cleveland, it's literally like the same corner five times. Now, granted, yeah. it's like, it's on an airfield and like, yeah, the track is very wide. So like the track map doesn't really mean anything, but it's almost like, um, what I can maybe kind of liken it to, which this will be a really random and deep cut, is like the uh, one of like the ice tracks in like Mario Kart 64, where like there really is no track. <laughs> like it's a million miles wide, and you're free to go really anywhere you want. That's kind of what Cleveland is. Uh, but but yeah, the fact that there's no draw distance in this game is really challenging when you're trying to find the apex because the whole track yeah. is flat. You can't like. Yeah, I, I I have no doubt that the things you're describing are probably true in real life, but but in yeah. this game it's it's murder because like you 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 don't yeah. know where the turn is. <laughs> yeah, you have to just take a leap of faith and just turn in randomly when you think, or otherwise you go down to 31 miles an hour in the grass. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah I, I, what the track lacks in scenery and interesting corners, it makes up for in wideness. It's very wide. wide. Girth. It's a very girthy it, track. It, it, extremely girthy track yeah people don't give it enough credit for its girthiness <laughs> yeah um yeah so that's i mean that's really m most of what we can say about uh flag to flag um you know yeah. we're, we're trying to before this show uh trevor you know you were asking me like you know how how we split this up how we talk about the game versus all the context and i was like i feel like we're gonna need to talk a lot about context because there's really not much to say about the game itself yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it has a soft spot in my heart, not on its own merits necessarily, um, but because of the subject matter, it's a kind of a not forgotten era, but an underappreciated era of of racing. I think um, that I'm glad has been preserved in some way. Um, I mean, going to to races with my dad at like you know Michigan Speedway or Nazareth Speedway, um, Cleveland, like I said. Like those were the like the foundational pieces of what got me into racing, um, which is you know taking me on a different journey and uh, it really changed my life. So to see this preserved in some way is really pretty nice for me personally. Yeah, like it's it's interesting because last week uh, on their podcast I listened to uh, the official F one podcast Beyond the Grid, they interviewed Mario Andretti, and it's so. I, I can't put into words how surreal it is to hear him say like, 
yeah, I won races in Flemington or at Flemington and at uh, Nazareth. And I'm just like, geez, like that's my backyard. Like growing up, we're both, you yeah. know, we went to went to high school together. Uh, you and I um, were both from that part of Jersey. Uh, yep. You live in Easton, Pennsylvania now, which is right yep. around the corner from Nazareth. Um, it's what weird was, yeah. to be able to play a, was yeah well yeah. well still next to nazareth the, the town um yeah <laughs> it's it's weird to play a game like this and see like nazareth as a place i could go um because like you don't especially you know where we come from like no one really there there's always like the the jokes about new jersey most a lot of which are deserved um yeah but you know you expect represent new york is represented so many times in every game but when has nazareth pennsylvania ever been <laughs> sure yeah ever ever been uh, depicted in a video game it's pretty funny i can i can think of twice i mean I, I know of you know this and i can think of the ea sports nascar games that re represented it until it went defunct and they ch changed the location to hawaii like just like that's the that's the only two times i can ever think of it being in a racing game also like a crazy track because it's so i mean you're like always turning it's so small like it's so unique uh i mean there's elevation change like when, yeah. is, when does that happen on an oval that's crazy yeah yeah so yeah it definitely holds a soft spot i think for me for those reasons uh like you said i mean it's not it's not a great game but there's a representation here that just is you know lacking or was uh has kind of always been lacking uh, in motorsport, you know, I, I feel like the thinking is always that like Americans only care about NASCAR, which is probably more more true these days than it was back then. Um, but mm -hmm. no, there's 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 a rich history of other other forms of racing in this country that get underrepresented. So, cart cart flag yeah. flag is worth visiting uh, if you have a Dreamcast and you share that sentiment. Yeah, I would definitely I would definitely give it a shot just to check out what it was and it does have some some value to it it's not like it's uh devoid of, of reason to for playing it um i think it's it is a quality game um personally it's also crazy cheap yeah you oh can, yeah you can, yeah, you can it find it for nothing cheaply. yeah it was never released in in uh europe as far as i understand because brenda and i were trying to figure out a way he could get a copy and he was like oh i guess i have to import it and i was like well that's not really a problem because like 80% of Dreamcast uh, can be very easily uh, used to play illegal games, but um, but yeah, it is, it is really cheap. It's not a rare game at all. Yeah, and you know, um, not to get too off track, but I, I would like to recommend if anybody wants to probably have a better representation of, of the racing in, in a <laughs> with some decent physics, um, I would probably recommend the Kart Factor mods for R Factor or Kart Extreme, which is a revision of that mod for um, uh, for a couple different uh, PC Sims that you can find out there. So if you are into PC Sims and you want to race kart cars on official tracks with all the liveries and everything like that, that is a really, really excellent mod um, out there um, for anybody who's interested. But if you're looking for a little nostalgia, um, yeah, Cart Flag to Flag is a pretty middling, um, middling game that I would say is was worth your time. Yeah, I mean it's so great that the community stepped up and and you know did that for games like uh, 
or, you know, I mean, our factory has been modded a million times over, but uh, at least sure. at least you can turn to something like that for a more realistic interpretation. Because that's the, that's the other thing is like these cars don't make it into racing games uh, really anymore. Um, I don't know if it has to do with licenses. I mean, I'm sure that, that probably plays a role, but like, yeah. I feel like now we're starting to see like old F1 cars pop up in like some games. Uh, even in Forza, they've got like, you know, the, the James Hunt and the uh, Nicky Lauda cars. But like right. these cars, they're just essentially lost time, which is really a shame when you listen to interviews uh, with drivers and stuff and, and they talk about the experience of driving these cars as like nothing else you know on the planet yeah i mean a thousand horsepower no traction control very little aerodynamics a lot of weight to the cars i mean they were they were true monsters um they i really wish were more represented in, in the racing culture today you point out to me that the uh, burnout 3 does have some kind of uh i don't know if it's yeah. a cart or what but yeah they had um they had two different open wheel cars. They had the Euro open wheel racer and they had the US open wheel racer. And one was very clearly based off of, you know, some generic mold of what an F1 car was at the time. And then the US open wheel racer was very clearly a Reynard chassis from the late nineties, early two thousands. It's hard to put an actual, actual date on it, but it wasn't licensed or anything, but it was, um, there was some effort made and I cherish that. So thank you very much. Codemasters for that. Yeah. Codemasters, and it- uh, yeah. In, in a weird twist, um, that's probably uh, Burnout Three is probably more accurate feeling of what it's like to drive that car uh, than cart <laughs> flag to flag, uh, because yeah. it's very tough to drive and loves to get sideways and also is incredibly fragile. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly that. Um, there was actually a damage model in that. <laughs> right. True. Also, also true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think that just about covers it. I mean, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add. This is like, this was a, a great discussion. I I feel like we got through everything that we wanted to bring up. Um, again, helps because there's really not much to say about the game itself. But, uh, but yeah, this was a good time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. This is definitely something we've talked about doing since we started doing this pod. And um, I'm glad it finally came to fruition. Trevor, I know you're you're not uh, the most active person on you know social media or whatever, but given that you're on the show and everybody's entitled to their plug, uh, where can people find you if they want more uh, tidbits and references to American open wheel racing history? <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, well, my at on Twitter and Instagram is at Trevor Longman. Uh, you can find me there. Um, can't guarantee there's going to be a surplus of cart related. Uh, content on there or content in general for that matter but you can follow me if you'd like um yeah that's where you can find me perfect yeah um yeah so uh so that's about it uh thank you everybody so much for listening and we'll be back soon with another episode cheers cheers